Welcome to the Sam Dean Podcast, where we talk about life uncensored. Today's show is brought to you by Van Zant Coffee, the best tasting black coffee in the world. We roast it, we drink it, it's good. Order it online at www.vanzantcoffee.com. Today is a special show. I have Tam Tran, my first roommate from West Point, joining me today, and we did this over Google Meet. Uh, he is out in California, I'm here in Texas, and we haven't spoken in roughly 20 years, and this was a great, great interview, and it was just great catching up with him. Tam Tran uh, is behind the Human Group, which gives coaching and mentorship. Look them up. I'll have a copy of the link uh, in the show notes. So here's Tam Tran in my interview. Thanks for listening. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, somebody's calling me from Austin. I'll call him back later. Probably Joe Rogan or somebody, you know. Oh, yeah. Made it big, Sam. Well, Sam, hey, man. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. How are it's you doing, a, Sam? Been a long time. Dude, how many years? It's uh, it's I think been, I saw you in Oklahoma. I, I like I was I was thinking about this last night, and you know, last time I spoke to Sam Dean face to face was uh, Bullock in in uh, Fort Sill. I think Bullock, Bullock too. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's so it's been twenty years. No, it's <laughs> it's been it has Almost. been twenty years. That that was two thousand six in Bullock, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't too long. It's been too long, man. Yeah, too long. Um, and uh, I remember the conversation we had. And because you had already been there for 30 days. Let me set it up. It's, uh, it was at, <laughs> at, the, uh, at the DFAC. <laughs> it was at the DFAC. Yeah. You, you, you'd, you'd already been 30 days into it. You know, I was just getting off my, my 60 days of leave. And I had the audacity to say, yeah, it was it was too short <laughs> of of a of a leave. Um, I probably wanted to it, I probably wanted to kill you right there. I saw that on your face. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I also wanted sixty days of leave, but I didn't get that. I got thirty. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what what decided us getting either thirty days off or sixty days off. I can't remember exactly, but I want to say it was academic ranking. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, either that or um, I don't think I even, I don't think I need it. Yeah, dude. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was so pissed when I only had 30. And uh, so we had, Ashley and I had to get married in that 30 days. Oh, wow. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. We did not. That was after that was after bullet. That was after Ranger School and all okay. that stuff going to Fort Hood. Okay. That was a year later. Uh but yeah. Yeah, so anyway, Tam and I were roommates. Uh you were my first roommate uh leave year. Uh we didn't have roommates in Be did we have roommates in Beast Barracks? Yeah, we did. We did. Um I remember mine were Christian Abney and Jason Jason 
Stillion, if you remember him. Oh, Stillion. Uh, yeah. 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 Did did he end but, up uh, did Stillion graduate or did no, he? No, I want to say he'd uh he'd left Glebe Year. Um, okay. Yeah. But yeah. You uh, you don't remember who your beast roommates were? No. Probably Braden. Braden Amigo, maybe. Okay. He was in our squad, right? Uh, I don't. Re- I, I know he was in our platoon. I don't. I, who was in our? We were in the same squad or the same platoon? Uh, I can't remember, man. No, I'll tell you who it was. Alex Ninnis. Alex Ninnis. Alex. You know who? I'm oh yeah, Alex Ninnis. Mike. Mike. Alex Ninnis. Mike. Yeah. Alex Ninnis. And. Man, I want to say Dan Varley. Okay. I don't know if he was there. I don't know, man. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, been, it's just it's too long, man. Um, so much has happened since then. Um, yeah. So yeah. If, if you're listening to this and have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, so <laughs> Tam and I are classmates at West Point, West Point 2006. Um, and we were in, we were, first semester plebe roommates with pat dowdell we were in a three three man room and uh we were you know we both first of all we reconnected through our west point class podcast by matt wing and i i just i was interviewed and so was tam uh but in my interview i said man i was i struggled through plebe year and uh, you made the comment like I didn't realize you were struggling. Uh, and I guess my struggle looks different than other people's, but yeah, I was definitely struggling um, with the grades for sure. Yeah, well, it was just uh, struggling to that extent, right? Because I, I think as plebes, I, I feel I get a sense that no, no one has really felt they were thriving at that moment. <laughs> um, and so I, it's just like levels of struggle, right? Yeah. For, I mean, uh, your, your struggle being with grades, mine was just homesick, you know, loneliness, right? I mean, oh, dude. like just yeah. getting like, just getting acquainted with this new ultra strict and regimented environment. And it's just like, what what did i get myself into you know this whole time right? <laughs> um but i'm not a quitter you know yeah, so, right so yeah, we stuck it through but but you know and i, I yeah I, I just i i i remember listening to your podcast and you know you said you, you sat outside of was that grant hall um yeah um on the steps and i was like man i i just didn't realize it was to that level you know i mean i well I wish was, yeah, I just wish I wish could could have done something. I mean, not that well, I was doing spectacular grade wise or anything like that, but yeah, but there was nothing you could have done. I mean, it, you know, I was so I wasn't right. I was across the street from Grant Hall. Those steps kind of hidden. You know, I wasn't yeah, just yeah. right there. But like we were all going through shock. You know, like, uh, and I, you know, I thrived in in. Uh, sports and military stuff you know that stuff is second nature to me like i i was doing great at that on those two things which you know when you're a cadet you you're graded on academics you know sports or athletics and military so those other two i was i was really good at i I felt and uh but the the, i thought that i thought they were going to kick me out for sure and uh, they kicked out a lot of people 
but yeah. somehow they stopped before they got to me. <laughs> uh, but I remember being in that room with you and Pat and uh, you, you know, first of all, we always gave you hell for liking like Backstreet Boys and oh, NSYNC. <laughs> you love, you love some boy bands. I love my boy bands, man. <laughs> and I mean, I've come, you know, now it's uh, now that it's vintage, you know, at, at, at CrossFit, we'll have some like 90s or 2000s uh vintage playlist on and those yeah, some of those song, those songs are fire man they're good oh yeah yeah <laughs> what is it uh i think i heard instinct was uh was going on tour again um <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so, so i i'll definitely that, that'll be something uh something i look forward to but but yeah so and and i remember like you know, you had your guitar and you first busted that out, right? And just hearing you play for the first time, I was just, I was in awe, man. Like, <laughs> I, what, what did we have you, because it was like, it was open mic, like whenever you had that guitar. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was like you take a request and you play anything. And um, what was that Warren G song? Um, regulators? <laughs> yeah, Regulators. Was, I mean, <laughs> and you just a... played it. Like I like you, know, yeah. you, you, you strummed it a little bit and then you just played it and it was like I'm a, what I'm on a, earth like how, what what kind of you know what kind of like magic is this that you have that you possess? I'm, I'm kind of a human jukebox, you know. I can just play <laughs> songs that I hear, but you know, you you say Warren G. Like I don't know another. I don't know. <laughs> I could name another Warren G. Song, but <laughs> funny story. I saw him in con. I I was in Austin one night at South by Southwest, and my buddy gave me, uh, put me on a list to get into the Austin hotel. And Warren G performed Regulators by the pool at this yeah. small Austin hotel, and I got to see it. And, uh, oh, that's awesome. And that my buddy that was my buddy that was with me got to go up to his room. So he had a room, and and all of these. All of Warren G's like entourage are in this room, right? And they're all smoking weed, and like girls are in there. And my, my buddy's actually my pastor; he's like my preacher. But anyway, we're going up there, and of course, we've had some drinks. And Adam goes up one staircase, and I go up the other staircase. And the security stops me and goes, "Hey, where are you going?" And I said, uh, "I'm just looking for the bathroom." And you know, and I just I really had to pee really bad, and. So they just po pointed to the bathroom, but Adam goes up and they go, stop, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm looking for Mr. G and they go, and they go right this way. And he goes in his room, his hotel room. And it's, yeah. you know, it's like, it's a motel. So it's like small and uh, he gets in there and uh, they stop him again. He goes, I'm looking for Mr. G and they go, he's in the bathroom. So he was in the bathroom, I guess, do a number two or something. So he had he was just sitting there waiting in the motel room, and he comes up, gets a picture with him, gets to meet him, and everything. And uh, they never they never let me back up. They wouldn't let me back up. <laughs> oh man, man. He's a, big, he's a he's a big fan of Warren G. You know, I know yeah, I know yeah. regulators, and I can appreciate him, but he was actually a big fan. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> no, every time that that song comes up. Or you know, you hear a line from it. I, I think back at that, at, at our, uh, you know, at our room there, and you you just playing it out of nowhere. And <laughs> gosh, <laughs> no, but you inspired me though, Sam. I mean, I, I you know I, I can't remember. It was 
I want to say it was like when we turned in, when we turned yucks, right? Mm -hmm. uh, sophomore year. And after Christmas, it seemed like everybody got a guitar and started to want to play guitar and learn it. Right. And I was one of them. Hey. <laughs> like, I want to be like Sam Dean. You know? <laughs> and, and I, you know, and so like, I, I, I started playing guitar, you know, and then, you know, Dang. practice, practice, practice. I mean, I'm not, I'm not on your level by any means. I'm more mechanical. I could read some tabs and, 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 and yeah. play a tune and sing and sing with it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you inspired me, man. Well, awesome, dude. I mean, that's, that's great. You have to life. That's a lifelong skill. It's like, yeah. I equate it to, uh, it's better than knowing how to play golf. You know, golf's like a lifelong skill too. But I think knowing an instrument and especially guitar is the best, you know, for girls like it the best anyway, but, um, <laughs> that, you know, I hope George, my son, George plays the drums and I want to get him, yeah. you know, picking up the guitar pretty soon, but that's yeah. awesome that you play. Uh, so you, you, do you play every week at least? Um, no, unfortunately not, not yeah. anymore. I think uh, when I stopped playing regularly, it was, it was right around the time I, I, uh, I met Tiffany, my wife. Um, yeah. and you know, I mean, cause I, I mean, I won't lie. You know, it was, it was, you know, I, I just, I just wanted to, uh, to sing songs to serenade girls if that opportunity mm -hmm. comes up to, to play for groups of people, you know, and, and, and that, that was, you know, the goal was to you know, eventually play in front of a crowd, right? In front of like yeah. people on stage somewhere or in a coffee shop, you know, just somewhere where I'm, 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 I'm entertaining. Um, and I got to do that. Right? It was, it was, uh, gosh, it was when I was, what, I was at Fort Irwin still. Uh, that right. Fort Irwin was my first duty station. And, um, you know, there was a, a, uh, it was right around the time of, of, uh, Lunar New Year. You know, like the Chinese New Year, um, we just went down to Orange County to celebrate that. It's about a two-hour drive or so uh, from Fort Irwin, and um, you know, I, I made a group of friends there, and um, you know, I guess through, through that network, uh, there was a festival going on, and they had a singing competition, mm -hmm. and you know, um, and but before that singing competition, there was just open mic, so. Hey, sign me up! You know, and I submitted a video of me playing uh, "Eagle Eye Cherry," "Save Tonight." Oh, um, there you go. Yeah, it's just easy, you know, four chords. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and then and what was it? Uh, it was a music soul child song, but I can't remember what the what the, what I played. But those two songs I played on stage in front of a crowd, um, and I also entered that singing competition, which I didn't do too well at. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it was just you know like you think like the impact of west point right I mean, as, mm -hmm. I, as i as i talk about this it's like gosh man like like music right after beast barracks you know listening to that first song again because we didn't have any like you didn't have access to music um, couldn't, couldn't listen to music yeah yeah it's terrible there, like, like imagine taking something so you know uplifting out of your life right and then and then having the freedom to do it again, you know, once the uh, beast barracks was over and I just, music just never sounded so sweet. And then, you know, combined with, you know, seeing your magic happen on the guitar and, and it's yeah. just, you know, I just, just found, I got that newfound appreciation for, for music and I just, just sought to, to get into it myself. Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then, but 
we got, got out of the uh, beast barracks and we had a, a laptop but i i want to say i had an ipod or uh each i had something that was other than apple that like an mp3 player that had a bunch of music on it that i was able to transfer to my laptop maybe and get a bunch of songs mm -hmm. but yeah i mean i forget like yeah we didn't have any music man until that was over yeah and that, that was around the time of like limewire i think or napster <laughs> oh yeah and then oh, like yeah. the gray area that it was with uh mm -hmm. you know our, our honor code um and, and <laughs> yeah so but uh, yeah distinctly i remember like i'm just gonna download everything right? <laughs> I mean, internet speeds here are way way better than at home <laughs> you right. know? And, and i just racked up like so many songs <laughs> and and you know it would you know would you know trade so not trade songs but hey let me copy you a cd you know, yeah. and, oh, and just I, build up the collection I of, of so, songs i had so many mixed cds man yeah <laughs> you know i just had to throw them away you know yeah what do you i mean i still have a couple of books of cds and i think i ended up i tried to give them to somebody like with hopes that they would want them uh <laughs> but i think i think i ended up just throwing them in the garbage yeah you know thousands, well, I, of, thousands of dollars of cds yeah most of them well, scratch, scratched up but yeah i i have because i i have i mean I'm, I'm looking down right now right i'm staring yeah. at my the, the one cadet trunk that uh that survived yeah and I it had just a bunch of cds in it um <laughs> and i don't i can't throw them away right because yeah. <laughs> in those cds lives a song that i forgot about that i love yeah right and oh, yeah i i like it's all it's on my to-do list you know whenever there's a, a free chunk of time to yeah. you know burn it onto my computer tam, <laughs> and, and tam, tam you don't even have a cd player anymore brother it's uh, over it's over yeah, throw, throw I, have, away. I, have an, I have an old laptop with a cd player <laughs> so that, i can still do it <laughs> that son of a bitch doesn't even fucking turn on i bet i bet you can't even turn that computer on i'm, yeah, well, I'm you know i measure time sometimes in laptop computers from West Point because you know West Point was <laughs> my, the Dell laptop was my first real computer. Yeah, yeah. And then I've had, I think I'm on my fourth MacBook Pro since since getting rid of my Dell. Yeah. Which is, I guess that's not a lot, but you know that's that's how many laptops. And then once one stops working, I just go buy another one. You know, and yeah, yeah. with hopes that all my stuff will magically you know turn out on my next over. transfer over and the next computer has to be you know a bigger hard drive or whatever yeah. um, wow man that's good <laughs> let's talk let's talk pat dowdell for a second this guy yeah. well first of all you know his dad was killed in 9 11 uh, yeah. lieutenant Ke kevin dowdell and he was definitely like a special he was like an all-star cadet because of his situation and do you ever remember like Giuliani and people coming to say like, "Hey, George W. wants to speak with you and stuff"? Do you ever remember oh, no. that? Yeah. I don't. So I I remember him going and like meeting with like the governor and president and stuff while while yeah, we were yeah. there. Of course, I was secretly hoping they were going to take me along, but never did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I got to one night. Uh, in beast uh pat we blew post we 
we wore we put our civilian clothes in our backpacks yeah and amigo went with us too Braden. but we we had a we had our PTs on and we had our black backpacks and in our backpacks, we had our civilian clothes and we went out past the plane and his uncle picked us up uh-huh. and we went to, uh, I think we went to Newburgh or Poughkeepsie, went to the bowling alley and we changed clothes in the car and we drank uh-huh. beer. We drank beer and went bowling all night. And obviously, obviously we got back before we got back before taps but we got we got back on post. He changed back in the thing. He dropped us off. We got back in. Never got caught. Um, yeah. But that was the first time I was able to leave West Point. Yeah. Was the blowing post and doing that, and you know, and the reason, you know, that was so. It was scary. Uh, yeah. But it was. I, it, go ahead. I get anxiety when you tell me that, right? Like I just, there's that overwhelming feeling of doing something you're not supposed I, to do, and yeah. especially in that setting too, right? It's I, like, oh no, be kicked out, you know, I'm be a failure, yada, yada, yeah. you know, all that stuff right. that supposed to your mind. Um, I mean, I have anxiety talking about that. However, the, what I felt like, and you feel this too, but I felt like we were in prison and I was so, I was so beat down that I was yeah. looking for, I was looking for any way to like somehow cut loose. And, yeah. and I guess it's like why people escape from prison too. You know, like it's at some point you just, you're like, man, I'm just going to risk it this one time, you know, like, yeah. yeah. And, and if we had gotten caught, it'd have been even more miserable. You know, I'd have been out there marching hours or doing whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Speaking yeah. of which, how yeah. many hours? How many hours did you end up blocking? I, I only did thirty-five total hours. Okay, uh, and all of those, besides, okay, so most of those were from just missing class. Yeah. You know, I'd be sitting in my room and forget I'd had to go to a certain class. You know, yeah. Um, and I still have dreams now. And Tam, I went through some pretty like intense combat in Afghanistan. Yeah. But I still have dreams now of just being at my desk and forgetting about being in class or or like knowing like starting the semester and not knowing about a certain class and it's it's yeah. across it's across the academy grounds and I can't get there on time. Yeah, yeah. Oh <laughs> gosh. It's just like that feeling of dropping a ball, right? Like, yeah. like dropping the ball on something like really critical. You know, and and it's it's just I, I know what you mean because I I I got that a similar 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 thing right like uh-huh. after I got my MBA like I just for the for the next three months after that I I like it was just constant there was always something oh man I'm missing this 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 problem set or I'm missing this this you know studying for this test or submitting something you know it's just something along those lines right but yeah. you think about it right i mean i look back at you know just comparing our experience to the typical college experience right yeah like the repercussions of missing one class right <laughs> it, so i mean it was just it like it's, drilled into us right like that that whole yeah it's it's whole. five it's five hours is is the repercussions yeah. for missing one class i know that because i did it a few times yeah yeah, yeah. But what does that mean though, right? That means the time that you have off 
or you would have had off is no longer yours right and i, I think about that that's that's crucial man to like your mental well-being your you know just <laughs> your your happiness i mean yeah. it's it's just if you if i did if i didn't have that like friday night or saturday um i can't remember if it started in the morning or the afternoon whatever but that was your time to mm -hmm. unwind to to get away to to and so you know <laughs> it just made a really big impression um don't don't screw up <laughs> and i i think um and i think even i feel like maybe it went a little too far there because like, mm -hmm. you just missed a class right mistakes happen right yeah you but know, you just you just you just killed your pole platoon yep that's, that's what they, that's that's what they, they say. say that's what they'd and, say and that hit home you know you couldn't argue with yeah. that right that's true that's true but it was it was uh but I, I think about it too though just because you miss one class right does it really mean that right because when you talk about how critical is that you know because uh -huh. you can't compare those moments you know you can't compare those situations it's a different thing yeah you know? but but I, I can see the argument i can definitely and and yeah i i, I believed it for a long time and I, but i'm still kind of i question that a little bit right what like is yeah. there any room for some grace there um well, no one gave me any grace. I, I guess I got some. I feel like I was. My instructors gave me grace on my grades when they saw how hard I was working. Yeah. But as far as like disciplinary stuff, you know, of course I did some things that I got some more hours uh, during the uh, goat engineer football game, like first year. Mm -hmm. Or maybe Cal year, I can't remember what year that was. It was first year, I believe. But I we're, I lived in Grant Barracks, which were like the it was like four levels and it was only like two two or three rooms on a floor. And I undressed out I was muddy from the game and I took all my clothes off in the hallway. So I was naked in the hallway. And my my attack NCO, who was a real just dickhead he came up and saw me naked and he wrote me up for indecent exposure and said he was going to call wow. the M mps oh my god <laughs> i was right outside my door you know and we had to walk to the bathroom anyway i, I should have yeah i should have had a towel on whatever i was covered in mud though anyway and there were no there were no females on the floor uh, but anyway i got the other hours for that and i think that those were the only two infractions that and doing missing yeah. the class but yeah yeah the whole time with west point and uh you know all the other schools leading up to that was you you platoon leader pl you just killed your whole platoon yeah so and during we were there and during a time of war so you know like everything was so serious and i wonder yeah. if if it was that serious and other and i'm sure it was but i wonder if it's that serious now yeah i wonder too um yeah I, I did go back to our 15 year reunion uh -huh. uh, was that a couple of years ago um and it, it seemed i don't know i i couldn't get a sense of, of like whether it was more relaxed or i just i don't know because look from the outside looking in right i, I 
you know, I, I mean, I've heard from, I think maybe some of our classmates, you know, the other ones I've caught up with, uh, that it's a lot more professional now, you know, um, you know, you know, the, it just, I don't know how I would describe it, but it just, it just seemed more like it's progressed, right. From, from when we, when we were there. Um, but I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know that it's more strict. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I don't think, I don't think that's the case, but, um, you think there's like yeah. less, there's less like hazing or like, like stupid stuff that we would do. Yeah. I, I feel yeah. so. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I bet there is. I mean, I bet, of course it was a hundred times worse, you know, 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Every year. Yeah. Everything progresses. Society progresses too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The um, yeah. So what was what was your branch and everything? So what did you what did you find? I uh I picked air defense, air defense artillery. Uh huh. Um, no, it's just I remember branch week, right? And you know, Patriot missiles. You know, mm -hmm. like like oh, I get to be in the guy firing that thing, and um. You know, it's, it's, and so like it's shooting things out of the sky, you know, that, that was just like, okay, that's cool, you know? Um, and, you know, it's most, it's, it's, it's mechanized, right? I mean, I'm, I just never loved rucking um, <laughs> or like running or, you know, yeah. that was just not my thing. Right. Um, and so I thought I was, I, was, I thought I was a, a good fit for, for air defense artillery. Um, and, you know, first duty station was Fort Irwin, so I was, I went, I got, I got with a, um, one of the last Stinger um, companies um, yeah, did you, in, yeah, in the uh, army. Uh, you're from what, Lansing, Michigan? Yeah, yeah. Where Is that I grew right? Up. That's where yep. you grew up. That's where your parents yeah. live. Yeah, that's where they currently live. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so Fort Irwin's California, out in the desert. I went there for NTC yeah yeah that place is that place is cold man in the winter time oh yeah it does i mean yeah it, you know i've seen snow it snowed there um, a few times yeah. when i when i was when I was stationed there um but my my thing was you know growing up in michigan i mean like everything on tv right it was like california culture and surfing and all that so it's it's like you know monkey see monkey do i always had this like i want to go surf you know, I want to, I want to get out there in the ocean. I want to, how can I do that? You know, coming out of the army and, and, you know, we're not the Navy where everything's seaside and, you know, you have plenty of opportunities there, but, uh, Fort Irwin was our, my best bet of getting near the water. So that was, that was one of the top reasons there. Um, how, how far is it from Fort Irwin to the, to Los Angeles? I mean, it's about, about two and a half hours, two, two and a half hours. Yeah. That's not bad. Uh, yeah. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. So, I mean, I, I, so I did end up, uh, taking up that hobby. Um, yeah. Took a long time, right? Probably they took like a couple of years of like going once or twice a month. Um, you know, getting my butt whooped by by the waves to uh, to, to actually get to you know maybe catch one or two. Yeah, a session with a, with a long board. Um, I had a I had a short board. 
Um, but it was, it was like, I can't, it was a fish. It was, it was like an easier one, like a, a wider, thicker one. So, was, right. you know, were you, were you at Huntington beach? Where'd you go? Yeah. Sir? Yeah. That yeah. was, that was my uh, training grounds. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I, yeah. I went to Ashley and I went to Huntington. I went to Huntington beach once uh, by myself, I think. And Ashley and I, I think went there twice. Yeah. And we, and I, I would just use a giant longboard and, yeah. um, had a full wetsuit on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was able to pick it up. If you could do a burpee, you know, like if oh, you yeah, yeah. pop up, if you can pop up from the ground, I don't think it's that it's that difficult with the longboard because that board is really stable. But you will get your butt kicked on the on the surf, and yeah. sometimes yeah. that board, sometimes that board will run into your face. Oh yeah, that's happened <laughs> like the fin, like scraping right <laughs> one time. And it was just like, damn, I could, I, I could die. You know? <laughs> and it was just, <laughs> it was scary. And, and, and you know, it was, um, yeah, but I, I, most of the time I, I uh, surfed um, with the fish style board that was easier. Um, I mean, I, I tried out some other spots, but Huntington Beach was mainly the, the, the place I'd, I'd, uh, I'd yeah. go. Um, and, yeah, New, Newport um blackies is it's, uh, near the near newport pier there um i've, I've gone down i'm not sure if you've, you're familiar with uh the, the famous surf spots here but uh there's one called trestles it, it's like it's a uh, south orange county north san diego county i think uh i can't remember i don't know which one but uh it's like a famous breeding ground for like pro surfers <laughs> yeah. and so me like i was just like let me give it a try. <laughs> I mean, I could catch one or two. Yeah, and, uh, I got destroyed, man. And it, it, like trestles, it's got it's got like rock bottom too. Oh, like, like yeah. rocks. Fuck that. I, yeah. I got beat up. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was, it was like it was a really humbling experience for me. Um, like I'm gonna stick to yeah. you know the, the, I'm, even though it's so crowded, you know, north yeah. of, like north of the uh, Huntington Pier. Um, I'm just going to stick with that, you know, fight it out with the first. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the kiddie pool right there. That's where I, that's where I'm comfortable. (laughs) We went, we went to uh, North shore Hawaii, uh, one time and Ashley's like, Oh, it's the best surfing in the world out here. And I saw those waves and all the rocks and I was like, look, I'm like, I'm not, I'll die out here. Like, I'm not trying to do that. Uh, so we ended up just swimming around with the turtles. But yeah, yeah. But I hadn't uh, I hadn't done it in a while. Um, it was really right around the time uh, when I left Fort Irwin. Was when I stopped surfing. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's a, but the whole time, like, it's just this this draw to the ocean, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, leave, leaving California. Um, um, you know, being you know, I went to Oklahoma for Captain's career course, and to, then then over to Korea um for, for my last stint but just nowhere near surf and the water and the ocean and the, it's just in my mind and because tiffany my wife she's she's she grew up in orange county you know um let's try to get back there right and i left the army you know wanted to start a family with tiffany and get married and all that and um you know leaving the army just didn't know what the heck to do right so i i went with um what was that company? One of the one of the uh, JMO headhunters, junior military officer headhunters out there. It's probably the, it's probably the Lucas Group or uh, 
Alliance. It was Alliance Al- International. Al- Alliance yeah. International. Yeah. yeah. But I, I thought it was a good, I mean, I, I still feel it's a good route for if you don't know, right? Because mm-hmm. they're going to put you in front of different companies. They're going to force you to explore different industries, different career, you know, different different job types um, and all that. Um, but I, I landed with a company called uh, Chesapeake Energy. Um, it was a, uh, it was a fairly large natural gas, the second largest natural gas producer in the U.S. at the time, and they, they're, they're looking to hire a lot of JMOs. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, you had an engineering degree from West Point, and hey, let's let's use it. <laughs> you know, um, and you know, five years being out of practice, I mean, you go in there, and man, man, it's such a steep climb. I didn't know anything about engineering. So, yeah, I could talk to you about logistics, about planning, mm-hmm. about leadership and management, you know, but, you know, for, for a you know, fresh <laughs> engineer uh, and new company, it was, it was just like, I was a fish out of water, right? And yeah. I wasn't in California either, right? And so, but the, I just remember like the whole time, just like, what, what do I need to do to get back to California? Um, yeah. Where where, uh, where was your first job with Chesapeake? It was... was it- it was in uh, Fort Worth, Fort Worth, okay. Texas, right, right, right over from where you are. You are. Yeah, two two uh, hours from me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Spent some t- like just working the. It's called the Barnett Shale play. There's natural mm-hmm. gas uh, play um, as a field engineer. Then, you know, they they wanted me to take on more operational management roles there, but I, I just told them I didn't want to do that. I told them I wanted to be an engineer, um, mm-hmm. and and. You know, they, they found a spot for me as an engineer in Oklahoma City. So after about a year and a half or so in Fort Worth, uh, we moved up to Oklahoma City. Um, and by that time, uh, Tiffany and I had gotten married and had our first child. Um, and, and, you know, we, we were we were packing everything up with a what, one, two-month-old um, at the time, um, you know, moving up to Oklahoma City. Um, yeah, so 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 did that engineer thing there. Um, uh, as a production engineer, still still worked at Barnett Shale at Fort Worth. Yeah. So I take trips down from time to time, um, and uh, but but still just trying to get back to California, right? Get back to family now that you know we have a child. Very little support network. Um, yeah, uh, they're just just ourselves really. Um, you know, new parents trying to figure out how to how to parent, how to figure out even even beyond that, like you know, getting adjusted to married life, right? Because that was, you know, and, and like just that partnership and how, how yeah. that works. Um, how many, Tam, how many times did you move? How many times did you have to get a U-Haul and move after West Point to oh goodness. To, to this point? Yeah, so let me, let me count. <laughs> so it was, uh, um, I mean, the move to Fort Worth was one. Mm-hmm. The move to Oklahoma City was the other one. Um, after that, found a slot and found a spot in California in oil and gas. Um, yeah, and uh, so the Bakersfield was the third move, and then from Bakersfield to I mean it was in California, but Bakersfield is you know you got to cross a, a little mountain <laughs> to get get to Orange County um, or yeah. anywhere any ocean really. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but from Bakersfield to Santa Cruz, and at that time I was I was doing my MBA at UCLA, um, you know, part time. So you know, just made the commute easier. It was half the distance, 
to Orange County. Um, and from Santa Clarita, we stayed there for six years and then moved from there to Santa Ana, really recently, um, back in 20, gosh, it was just last year when we, when we did that. Last summer, we moved to Santa Ana, stayed there, you know, I was three minutes away from Tiffany's parents' house. Um, you know, so it was oh, nice um, being close to family. And at that point, we had we have four kids by now, you know, across that. Golly. Uh, yeah, so, so so we have four kids, um, you know, and, and uh, yeah, three minutes away from family, but the neighborhood, we weren't so happy with that. And uh, we moved to Irvine just earlier this year. So six moves. But that's six moves post-Army. How many post How many times did you move in the Army? Maybe like three or four. Three know, or four, count, yeah. Like schooling and all that. So, you, I mean, you've got like 10 moves under your belt. Most people yeah. have like one move. Like my friends yeah. locally here, uh, they they're kind of amazed in how many times Ash and I have moved, mm -hmm. and like we still have some of the same furniture that we had, like in the army, that's all messed up, you know. But we, you know, find ourselves, and even after the army, I've moved, not not necessarily like just different towns or anything, but like you know, with my with my real estate stuff, like buying different rental property and fixing it up moving there living there yeah. for a year or two and then moving to somewhere else mm -hmm. and yeah, my yeah. friend they my friends have stopped like answering my calls when i'm like hey can you help uh move? <laughs> you got a pickup truck i could borrow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're like dude i'm not gonna slip a disc for a, a keystone life <laughs> Keystone Light and some pizza. Yeah. And some pizza. <laughs> those days are over <laughs> yeah. but Man, that's mm -hmm. wild! You guys have been a lot, a lot of, a lot of places: uh, Fort yeah. Worth, Oklahoma City, and then a bunch of places in California. So, mm -hmm. what's well, so Irvine, California, where you're at now? Um, yeah, Ir Irvine is like what's it around San Francisco somewhere? No, no, it's uh it's it's in Orange County, still. Like, oh, it's uh, in Orange County. Know, just, okay, yeah, a bit south of of, of L.A. Um, probably probably forty minutes, forty five minute drive uh, up to five the five okay. from the from LA. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a nice suburban environment, suburban environment. Right. What's it, a, it, what does a normal house cost in Irvine? Oh God. I, I tell you, I didn't, I'm not buying, I, I haven't yeah. I didn't buy a house. So, so, yeah. um, but, uh, let's see here. I don't, I don't know the average, but I mean, for, for our size family, you know, if I were to go out there and, I had the money that I'd probably end up forking over between one and a half to two million dollars for like a normal house, right? Yeah, for for I mean for a house I can get in Michigan where I grew up, um, easily for two hundred to three hundred, you know. Yeah. Um, sure, yeah. and that's it's kind of the same here. Like I guess in Michigan, be the same. Like a two million dollar house here, if it doesn't have any land with it, is going to be a mansion. You know, it's going to yeah. be like a yeah. like a really cool mansion or something uh yeah or you could get like a hundred acre ranch for two million dollars you know yeah <laughs> that's but crazy yeah you know, and i think about that a lot right and it's just like this part like especially you know going back home to michigan uh, uh -huh. over thanksgiving you know seeing how my siblings live and you know i told you my sister's building a house in tyler um and and it's like, you know, the options there, right? Your home, yeah. your your 
you know, your space, right? Like you, you could, you have so much more outside of here, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I think for us, it's, it's, you know, proximity to, you know, proximity to family, you know, support network. Yeah. That's, that's huge though, man. You know, uh, we're fortunate enough to have my parents live here and then Ashley's parents live in DFW. So, uh, we're, we're all really close to, uh, grand folks and, um, your sister living or building a house in Tyler. Tyler is a great place. That's where, you know, people from Canton go to shop or go to the movies or something. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like the nearest, it's like the nearest airport, but the airport's still small, so you don't really use it because it's a it's a really expensive to fly there. But oh, yeah. um, Tyler is, you know, if I want to go to like a Best Buy or something, or I don't know where where I would go to Tyler for gun shop or something, I'd you know I go to go to Tyler. Um, yeah. There's a couple of great mountain bike parks in tyler that my son and i go ride our mountain bikes at Lindsay yeah. park Lindsay park and uh i forgot the other name but they got some good parks there yeah absolutely and uh yeah man i'll let you know because you know we talked about uh meeting up um next year when when the house is done and and yeah you know, i'll be in well, town so anytime yeah, catch up anytime Anytime you come out here, whether the house is done or not, I mean, just come yeah. by. You got to drive by my house to get there, you know. So yeah, absolutely. Stop in and yeah, let's hang. Um, well, that's awesome, man. So let's talk about what you're doing now, man. You're coaching. Yeah, yeah, yep, coaching. Um, that that's cool. Hey, really quick, I have recently. Uh, I have a business coach and when I, when I hired him, uh, I was kind of skeptical because it, you know, it was kind of expensive. You know, I wouldn't think, Oh, do I really need a coach or whatever? But he helped, he helped me out immensely. And, um, Mm -hmm. and it's really worth every penny of, of what I spent. And, um, tell me some of the stuff that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I split my time. Um, between my own practice and uh, another company called Small Business Growth Partners. Um, so we'll talk about them first. Uh, uh, they are a business coaching firm focused on residential owners of uh, residential construction mm-hmm. um, companies and the mm-hmm. trades associated with residential construction. Um, so I, I find myself probably client load about 20 um, owners you know, builders, folks who, who, you know, started off as carpenters, you know, decided they wanted to go off on their own and build their businesses or folks who, um, you know, wanting to transition their business to their, their children or, you know, figuring out a retirement plan and, and get some value out of the, the, the business. And uh, folks who are, uh, you know, at the, on their last, uh, you know, on their last breath, really, right? Um, they got to figure something out. They got to make a change, do something different, or they're they're not going to be in business any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other reasons why why folks sign up for small business growth partners, but uh, but there I, I do mainly business coaching, right? I mean, if you look at like team, there's consultant and there's coach, right? I, I think mm-hmm. I think of business coaching as like that 
right in the middle there. Um, sometimes I'm gonna have to give them a, you know, tell them to do a marketing plan or, you know, dive into their financials and, and, um, you know, give them my feedback on it, give them some, give them some suggestions to, 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 to make changes and execute on. Um, but sometimes it's, you know, exploration, right? You know, what, what really is the problem here? You know, mm -hmm. like what, 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 what's the roadblock that we need to figure out? And that's through questioning to understand for them to understand about it and and, uh, and figure out a path forward for themselves so it's just a combination of both consulting yeah. and, and you know non-directive coaching but um, yes yeah, so, so I, I, I do that for for small business growth partners it's just been it's been fantastic you know it, it's that was I'd say yes uh, it's coming on two years now with them um, you know and I'd, I'd gotten into coaching three years ago. You know, so it, it was my first like coaching job where I'm consistently coaching. Um, before it was just, uh, you know, being the first year, right? Struggle, right? <laughs> Who's gonna yeah. pay for a brand new coach? You know, like, right. you know, do I just even know what he's talking about? He doesn't even know what mm -hmm. he's doing. Um, and a lot of it was just pro bono work. Hey, I'll give you a few hours if you write me a good review or, or you know, like I'm just here to help people out. You know, volunteer for for, for things. You know, volunteer for for you know to, to to just help people get unstuck. And um, I mean, although I did land a few jobs, it was just it wasn't consistent. Uh, not mm -hmm. until I started with small business growth partners. And gosh, like with the client load, it's like it's like that, that sort of client load. I mean, I I felt like you know it, it's been. You know, these last two years have been such huge growth for me in my my practice, right? Taking my business coaching practice now. Mm -hmm. On the other end, um, I have my old practice called the Human Group. Um, we, we are more we are more about uh, executive coaching, leadership, um, um, you know, culture, right? Um, we we do. We do one-on-one -on -one coaching as well as group coaching and workshops, and it, it's more the non-directive um, style of coaching. Um, what do you mean by the, what do you mean by non-directive style of coaching? Yeah, so there's there's a coaching style where, you know, the coach tells you what to do, right? Mm -hmm. And in that case, that's really a consultant, right? They're advising you, they're telling you what yeah. to do. Non-directive is where it's more about questioning. Right, more about diving deep into, um, you know, beyond just the surface level. Um, you know, what's the first answer, right? Like, if you were to ask, uh, you know, what's a challenge, right? Like, what, mm -hmm. what, like, why, why is that a challenge? What's making it a challenge? Um, the first answer is never really the the, the real right. answer. Right? It the takes like five, yeah. Because business owners like me are often or blinded by emotional decisions and emotional yeah. having to make, you know, like for instance, I knew I needed to close one of my CrossFit gyms, but I was because it I found out for myself and I had to be honest with myself that I wasn't making any money at this one location, yeah. but I still felt an I felt an obligation to martyr myself for my clients. Yeah. And I, and my coach kind of helped me. And they're like, he's like, look, you know, over time, he's like, look, you, 
dude, he goes, everybody loves you. However, they're not there because they love you. They're there because you provide them a great service. If you sell the gym or if you move on or whatever, they're just going to pick up right up where they left off with somebody else. It's nothing personal, you know, and it took me months to finally him for him to get me around to the final yeah. decision to find a buyer and to sell it, you know, and I felt horrible the whole time until I finally got it done. And after that, it was the best decision I ever made, man. Mm -hmm. And I, and I should have made it a lot sooner, but he helped me kind of get over, you know, like somebody like you, you could get with me and take all the emotions out of it. You're just looking at like numbers and paper and, and logic, but somebody like me that builds something that we're, it's like our baby and we're trying to let somebody else adopt it, you know, like yeah. it's, it's not easy. Right. Right. I mean, you, you, you your judgment gets clouded, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you're not, you're not uh, asking yourself the right questions. You're not being, you know, objective about mm -hmm. the decision. And um, yeah, I mean, it's then that sort of scenario, right? Um, you know, you said, I mean, when you go, when you went through the process, you, you said you felt terrible. Like, what was it that made you feel terrible? Well, it's just that I had clients that had lost, like, let's say they had lost like 80 pounds or a hundred pounds and they come, they have a schedule. Like, like, like say they work out with me every day at nine o'clock yeah. and the thought of like, just saying, okay, we're, hey, we're stopping this. I, I can't do this anymore. You know, just the thought of letting somebody down and yeah. <laughs> that that's really it, man. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it was my clients that I thought I was going to be letting down by selling it. And what, ha what ended up happening is a new owner took it and came in with a new passion and it had, had more bandwidth than I did and probably does a better job than I do. Yeah. So it ended up you did, you know, you did better by your clients by selling yeah. it. But I, uh, I didn't th I didn't think it was gonna go that way, right? Uh, oh. Yeah, but uh you know it, it's it, you know it speaks to the you know the value because the conversation comes up a lot, like what, what is you know by by doing this, right? Mm -hmm. What's the cost of that? What's the true cost of it? Um I mean, it's beyond just you losing money right? um, at that location. Um, yeah. The cost is also internal, you know, like your, mm -hmm. your, I don't know, your well being, your happiness, their time. Um, you know, like if for that time you, you're, you're worrying about that, that other, the time capacity that you're worrying about. Uh, yeah. Um, that, 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 the floundering business there, not flounder, I can't say that, but, uh, you know, that, that that business that wasn't making money um what could you have done with that time and capacity and energy um yeah absolutely and I, once it happened i realized like how much i was working like we were ashley and i both were working like dogs you know and we couldn't really yeah. we couldn't really see that at the time you know and, and once we sold that thing it was like a whole new life it was so so much better yeah. Uh, but he, he, you know, he kind of helped me work through that with the same type of questions you're asking right there. Um, so yeah, business, business coaching, man, is, is, um, 
very very worth it i think yeah no yeah definitely definitely i mean it's it's just from, from my perspective right i i i get so much out of it myself you know mm -hmm. it's not only you know that, that i'm trying to get get them to have a takeaway from it that they could they could run with and 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 make change with uh, for the better um but I, after every session there's always something i take away from it right about you know my coaching you know the topic we're talking about or um just human behavior right and just like they're going i'm going you know that that's 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 fulfilling to me you know, yeah that's that's what i what i what i love to see and what i love to do um it's my purpose right and I, mm -hmm. I think about that a lot like what is my purpose on on this life and it took me it took me a long time to figure that out right um after working with almost 10 years in a corporate job and um just never really feeling like it aligned with my purpose right but then i didn't really have i, I didn't have that defined th through that time not until you know i i I'd, you know started coaching mm -hmm. um when when i when i finally sat down to really formulate what that was to me um but it is about growth for me you know I, I'm, I'm here to on this earth to help people grow um and beyond just the clients that i serve it's with my family too as a father you mm -hmm. know um yeah, a big a big part of that that transition away from corporate America was um, I didn't spend time with my kids enough. You know, like yeah, you know, through all the downturns in the, in the in the industry and and the layoffs and you know just being required to do more, do more with less, and and it was just it took a toll, right? And 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 the impact was to my family. Um, you know, and and it just it took it took a mo like a lot lot of lot of different moments that 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 uh, you know led me to it. But uh, one I you know, one I remember distinctly was when I came home one night. Right, I I'd, I'd left at four in the morning to drive up to visit you know one of the other one of the oil fields that I manage. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't get back till around. 7 30 8 o'clock by that time my kids were in bed and I, I you know my oldest maddie was about six or seven at the time uh she was still awake and and i walk in to, to say goodnight to her and and you know just talk for a little bit before she goes to bed and i you know i walk in and her crying and you know like what's wrong and she said dad i don't see you anymore and it's just like man I, wow. like i've gotten this far right like mm -hmm. like what was i chasing in corporate, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was comfort that I was chasing, right? But in that comfort, there was misery that that came about, you know. And uh, like I wasn't, you know, I, I I think back on that a lot. Like I wasn't there for my kids, um, like I hoped I, I I I would be as a father, you know. I wasn't the partner that my wife needed me to be, you know. Mm -hmm. I was earning, sure. Um, but you know I, the role of the father, right? I'm, I'm there to grow these kids. I'm there to make set them up for you know, like like I'm going to set them up for the future. You know, that's yeah. to achieve what they want to achieve in life. Um, and I just wasn't doing that. You know, I look back and I just think that that was 
yeah, I was so off from who I was and what I wanted to be. Um, but it took that and, you know, right after that, my, you know, so Tiffany was pregnant at the time and my son, uh, my fourth child was born. He was, uh, um, and, and I, I just decided to take, take the full, you know, I can't remember if it was eight weeks or 12 weeks of, of, uh, parental leave, um, which I never did before. It was always like, oh, I'll take a week off, two weeks off. That should be enough. Right. Tiffany's yeah. got it. You know, the whole mindset, um, you know, fly her parents out here. She'll help. Um, and so it, it took me, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to do this the way that, you know, I've wanted to do, right. I'm going to put my family first and, uh, you know, through, through that process, um, or through, through that, um, you know, that leave and, you know, I started looking for other career options. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, uh, I stumbled on a job posting for business coach and, you know, just, just everything in it, like leadership development, goal setting, you know, growth and learning. And it was just, it was right up my alley. It was just, yeah. So I, I, I uh, yeah, that's, that's what planted the seed. And, uh, you know, gosh, maybe about four months later, five months later is when I, when I quit finally. You know, and and took the sleep, not knowing what the future would was, was going to hold, and 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 I'm not looking back, man. It's 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 been yeah. it's been an awesome journey. Man, thanks for sharing that. That was that's that hit pretty hard right there, man. That your purpose and uh, being there for your kids, dude. That's incredible. I've had a similar type situation, a realization lately, and I've moved from. You know the army to starting businesses to working uh to death to trying to replace myself out of them recently and i think my final chapter would be to as an explorer and to travel and yeah. really not for me anymore but to show my son like the world and to for him yeah. to know him to know that it's much bigger than East Texas. You know, there's, there's different people, there's different places in our country. And then, you know, once we get through with the United States, we're going to, we're going to go off even greater distances, but mm -hmm. we're learning, you know, we're learning by seeing and doing now and not just what we, you know, read in the textbooks or what one of our local teachers teaches us. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, as far as purpose goes, you know, obviously that what I just said, but you know, with this, this CrossFit thing that I've been doing for 13 years, it's kind of me and Ashley's ministry. Like we get these people, yeah. we create a safe place, the perfect environment for exercise. And it's not just, mm -hmm. it's not just exercise. It's, it's a community. It's like a church without religion, mm -hmm. but, but that's very much, you know, inspired and, and, we kind of help each other and get through life together in a, instead of being at a bar or, you know, some other relationship, we know that this one is, is, uh, is kind of grown out of hard exercise and fitness. Mm -hmm. Even, yeah. even if you're 80 years old or you're 18, we're all the same type of person, but, um, it's been a it's been a fun time man and yeah. 
Um, so what's what do you got going on in the future? Yeah, it's it's really. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm. I, I, I see in my future just more coaching, more family, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know getting because because I have. You know, I have. Yeah, I, I just want to coach more. <laughs> That's just it's what I love to do. It fulfills me. Um, you know, I, I I often think like, man, if I could do this for free, I would. You know, um, that that's that that statement right there is. I think when it, when someone really wants to change their life, you need to ask yourself what you would do for free every day. Yeah. What do you? And then find a way to make money doing that. That yeah. And I think that's the key to like career happiness. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and you know, I, I, I look back on that first year right? because I did that for free, mm -hmm. but I look really fondly, you know, I'm sure we had a, we had a, you know, we had a runway to work with. Um, yeah. We'd saved up. Uh, and you know, it, it was, I'd say that was probably one of my happiest years was getting started in coaching and just doing it for free and just helping people. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and being with my family, right? Gosh, it was it was it was a big adjustment, right? Just because it's a new partnership now, right? Now, yep. you know, Tiffany's got got time to. We're gonna we're gonna be more equitable, and you know, in our in our caretaking. So, hell, now I'm I'm a dad. I'm, I'm taking them out <laughs> to parks. I'm cooking. You know, I'm cooking more dinners. I'm 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 cleaning the house more, and um, you know, just just participating in, in their activities more, and just being present more. And and it was, I look fondly on that, right? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't earning what I what I used to earn, but mm -hmm. I'm doing what I love to do. I'm fulfilling my purpose. I'm happy, you know. And and yeah, I totally agree with that. When you when you first started out coaching, did you have some type of template of like questions that you would ask, go through and ask me like somebody like me? And at the end of the session, would you provide them like a summary of what you talked about and maybe actionable steps going forward? Yeah, yeah. So, so there's, you know, there, when I first started coaching, um, mm -hmm. I so the, that week that I my last day um, um, in 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 the corporate world was the, you know, that that later that week, I started. Uh, I started going to, or I started this program at uh, UC Berkeley's uh, Executive Coaching Institute. Mm -hmm. um, it's just let's let's get a foundation here, right? But otherwise, it was more mentorship because I I started while I was working, right? Like let's let's yeah, what's this like, right? So I I went on to uh, this awesome platform called Betterati. Um, are you familiar with Betterati? No, um, but it's it's a uh, it's an online platform where. You know, it, it, you know, to serve the military veteran community, right? Folks mainly getting out of the out of the military or spouses, uh, getting out of the you know who are looking for career growth or career changes, right? Um, and so there's a lot of mentors uh, on this platform that you, know, you can book time with and and uh, and just help people, right? So, so I signed up to be a mentor and and you know just I remember the first the first uh, mentorship call I had, right and just the feeling I got from it. And it's like, gosh, it felt great. And, but it wasn't coaching, right? It was, it was like, 
coaching kids, a lot of definitions, but it was more mentorship. Hey, here's what I did. Here's what I suggest. Right. It was more, um, um, directive in, in that manner. But, uh, um, so that's what I knew about coaching and the approach. And of course I read, I, I read, I read a book. Um, ah, what was it called? Uh, I have it somewhere here, but it, it's uh, one of the one of the Bibles of the coaching world. I can't remember. I, I also remember what it is because it is about effective coaching is what it is. I'm looking at it on my bookshelf right now. Um, mm-hmm. But in it, he talks about the the T grow method or the yeah the grow method. I think he has in his one. But uh, it's um, you know the you know what's the goal of this session? Right? What's the topic you want to discuss? What's the grow goal of this session? Um, Let's get out of some context. Reality. That's the R. Um, um, after you get out of the context, what are the options here? You know, what can you do? You know, mm-hmm. what what uh, you know, if if money were not um, a concern, what, what would you do? Right. Just just exploring the different things that that, that you could you can do to to overcome the challenge. Um, and then uh, you know, wrapping it up, you know, getting a commitment. You know, what is that? next step you're going to take so uh, you know i first started off with, with with that model and and i i would say that like as my my practice has progressed it's more or less along those lines um now with business coaching um especially with small business growth partners we have our own framework um drilling down leveling up framework and mm-hmm. um you know i, I it, it, it's 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 fairly loose but for the most part it, you know we're, we're just where do you want to go? Right? What's the challenge? Where do you want to go? How do we get there? You know, so answering those questions. What are we going to commit to uh, doing? And then, you know, the, the accountability portion of it that comes along. But as far as a list of questions to ask, um, you know, there's there, there's some out there, but I, I just, it, it's all in my head now. And I just, yeah. you go, you meet the client where they're at, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever question comes up in your mind um, is, is where I'll go. Um, but it's it's not nothing structured too structured you know get getting people just to verbally acknowledge some things out you know when they hear themselves say it out loud you know that's yeah. a that's a whole thing as well you know yeah the other thing is hearing other, somebody else interpret it for them like playing it back for them right there's a yeah. there's a power in that too um which you know in in that process it, it's it's of understanding right because sometimes you don't know what you're saying Right. Sometimes you don't really it doesn't really register like the the full extent of, of what it means, or you may not be coming across the way that you hoped. Um, but it, it gives it gives a different perspective, um, yeah, different uh, viewpoint on it. Yes, because once again, it's it's so emotional when you're yeah. the one when it's the one when you're the one going through it. You know, uh, hey, this is I just thought of this man, and this I hadn't thought of this in years, but. Sam, are you, are you Vietnamese, right? Yeah. 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 yeah I remember <clears throat> you saying to me one time, I was like, what's your favorite thing to eat? And you said, uh, spicy salted squid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was that? Did I say that right? What? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I remember that conversation. It, it, my taste has changed since then, but that's, that still is yeah. one of my tops. <laughs> spicy salted You were like, spicy salted squid. Yeah. And I was like, wow. This guy likes squid and and blew my mind. But how was it your parents your uh, on your other podcast you talked a little about your your dad uh yeah. and maybe maybe your mom and dad coming 
coming over from post-war Vietnam to the United States. But can you give us a little insight on like what's it like being, you know, being Vietnamese in the United States? Uh, yeah, yeah, on absolutely. Some type of differences because you know I'm, I guess I'm an average white guy from Texas. Yeah, and I'd I'm just very curious on how how different it is. Well, yeah, I can I can share with you uh, from my perspective. Um, you know what I what I went through um, mm-hmm. and and you know my upbringing and all that. And it's interesting you ask, ask me this because you know the like the story right of of my parents coming over um, here, and I never really. I never really, I don't know, took the time to understand it or, or just, just register or like process through it all. But um, that in itself, you know, and just, just very recently, Thanksgiving was when I, when I started recording conversations with my parents, you know, as they get on an age, I want to, I want to have these stories for my kids, you know, to, to just, so they understand, you know, our history too. Um, but uh, I mean, I'll, I'll start there um, with, with, with their journey. Um, and so, so after the fall of Saigon, um, you know, 75, 76 is when they attempted their first escape, um, from Vietnam. And, um, you know, this whole time, my dad had, had grown up in a fishing village, you know, it is his, uh, is his parents, you know, all his family, they were, they, they were, they were fishermen. Um, and so he was familiar with the ocean, but he, you know, he, he taught himself to, he had to teach himself to navigate the seas. Um, uh, and so, you know, the whole process of acquiring like the compass, um, uh, a sextant, a map, um, that, that was, that was difficult in itself and, and costly, but they were able to, the, you know, they had a boat, you know, getting ready to go. And, um, my dad and, and, uh, you know, four other folks, you know, one of them being my uncle, um, um, you know, uh, made their first escape from a from a uh from a town a, a seaside town near saigon uh, called vung Tau. and so they, they, they're they're leaving and, and they were uh, they're going supposed to meet up with um my mom and my oldest sister who the one building a house in tyler right um and they're supposed to rendezvous um you know a bit down the coast a little more so you know, it's not like you don't see this you know it's just more secretive and, and all that and um the seas were too rough so um the, the plan was to take a smaller smaller boat out to the, the bigger boat and uh mm-hmm. you know leave from there but the seas were too rough they waited a few days you know it was too risky so my dad left um, my mom and sister behind and you know a few other passengers had to leave their family behind families behind too um but just going through like you know southeast asia by sea um but he, he I, I can't remember the name of the uh the island that he he, he got to first but i mean he had to just go begging for diesel right <laughs> like hey I, I need some diesel um looking for that you know continuing on the journey and and you know he, he was jailed in singapore uh, for one night because you know, they didn't have a refugee camp set up or anything like that. They weren't, they weren't mm-hmm. uh, participating in that. And he said that, or he said distinctly, it was one of the, one of the best meals you ever had um, was, was in jail in Singapore overnight. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, you know, it, you know, at some point they, they, it was a decision to continue on 
right mm-hmm. on down to australia right where they we would they would take take him in and, and they'd figure out how to get my my mom and, and older sister over and, and their the other families over um but they decided um it was too risky so they went to thailand and there at that point there was a refugee camp in, in thailand um and you know my dad got processed he got papers to go to the us just just awaiting a date um but then decided to just go back to vietnam that because my mom and sister weren't there he didn't have his family um, so just you know life in the us um it wouldn't have been life without without family mm-hmm. so got some diesel you know i got some <laughs> back, uh, and then back for it and then uh they made their way back to uh, by, by sea to uh to saigon and um at that point uh, my mom and the older sister were jailed and uh you know for because they were looking for my dad he served in the south vietnamese army and you know he left and um so they were jailed for 15 months my dad was in hiding and uh you know for those 15 months and it was it wasn't until my mom was released and we you know reconnected with my dad um that uh my dad was caught and he was jailed for about a year um you know for leaving the country yeah and so that was the first attempt um second attempt was in 82 the year before i was born um and uh you know that 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 attempt was successful i can go on more detail on that but uh um no i like it man yeah this is so interesting to me my 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 dad served in vietnam and yeah I i have some of my mentors served in vietnam so it's very interesting to me to hear this yeah yeah and and so the the second time around right um my you know they'd have they 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 end up having three more children (laughs) my uh two older sisters and older brother were born um my mom my 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 grandfather he he made uniforms for the south vietnamese army so he had like all the equipment um Mm -hmm. um the 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 supply chain I had to build up his new supply chain, but uh, um, he had the know-how to, you know, transition into hat making, right? So he made men's hats, um, and my mom, she made uh, hats for, you know, just finding how to live, right? <laughs> there was no like, no jobs or anything like that available. You know, it's a communist society now, and how do we, you know, how do they make a living? And then, and my mom ended up, uh, mom ended up uh, making hats for for women and children or women and uh and girls and she had just you know she ended up growing that thing like immensely distribution across uh, cambodia and laos um she was known as the hat lady um mm-hmm. you know people people would come by and, and ask for uh bamboo that means that means hat lady in vietnamese um and, and you know seeking her her hats um and and so, so life wasn't bad I mean, my mom said that, you know, they were earning money, you know, they had to, you know, they they made a really good living. Um, And it wasn't until um, this, I'm not sure exactly, one of the, one of the communist bureaucrats um, that dealt with like border um, enforcement or something like that, he started to get on their case, right? Started demanding things from them. Hey, you know, give me that, give me that Vespa, 
that you're writing right now. Um, and my dad started getting harassed, right? Being kept in, um, you know, because he was in jail. They're, they're you know, they, they kept an eye on him or a close eye. And it was like maybe three months before actual departure when this started happening. And uh, there was no freedom there, right? I mean, like, you know, even if you did pay him off, right, they'd come back for more and more. And that just this is not the life that, that uh, you know, that's not a life to live, you know. And and uh, so, so that, that was that was, uh, you know, what what uh, accelerated the second time going um, ended up costing um, four ounces of gold and a gold ring to get seats for um, my parents and four older siblings to and make make their way over but with my dad knowing how to navigate the seas and and uh and uh you know um operate a a, a boat you know it, it, you know they, they they valued that a lot so um but yeah they made it made it down to uh um, was it i think it was malaysia first mm -hmm. and then and then to um was that mine's uh, drawn a blank here malaysia and then the philippines and then from the philippines uh made it to to arkansas uh well by way of oakland california houston and then arkansas but uh but yeah arkansas my um my dad's side of the family had already settled in arkansas um would have been for about six or seven years at that point and uh yeah that was our our start in america and then i was born um, in arkansas did uh the first attempts when he was with his brother did his brother go on to america um that, so that was my or, mom's that was my mom's brother and he did mm -hmm. not you know okay. he didn't have a family at the time but uh you know it was just if he would have gone on he would have been in arkansas with my dad's yeah. side of the family um okay. on his own and you know he felt the need to to to, to be with his with, with my mom's parents my, my other grandparents yeah so how'd y'all get from arkansas up to uh michigan uh it was opportunity you know i mean because it was my, my dad he you know language barrier right i mean yeah, yeah they give you uh, they put you in uh you know esl english as a second language courses uh through the um through the uh refugee camps uh, but you're not gonna pick it up right? um and so i think like for the first 10 years that was the biggest challenge um mm -hmm. for them was was finding work right that was that was steady that that had benefits to it um and so for the first what 10 years we we were on welfare right we we, we relied on government assistance we lived in um housing projects um and you know i i, I tell you i used to i used to be ashamed of of how i grew up you know um but I look back on it now. I, I'm thankful for that. You know, I'm thankful for yeah, the, yeah. the the difficulty um, because it it you know it, it, if, if you know among other things, it just showed that you know you could, especially here, right in America, you could you know work hard. You can make something of yourself. You can change your life here, right? Your your destiny your destiny is not set. You know, you have control over that. Um, but 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 going through that, um, it, it was 
I mean, I, my parents sacrificed so much. It, it was, I, I, it was a happy childhood, right? We never, we never, I never felt like I grew up needing anything, right? I mean, my parents provided, you know, we got assistance, the, uh, the, the government provided, you know, people helped. Um, and, and yeah, it's, and so, yeah, it was, you know, the upbringing was, was, was good, but it was very strict because, you know, we have, uh, the, the you know, we're, you know, for, you know, new to this, this country, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're trying to make our way, trying to, to you know, live the American dream. Um, and so, you know, coming from where, you know, things were terrible, right? Things were just, um, there was no freedom. Uh, it was, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't thrive there, right? To, to this, this open opportunity here in the U S um, the stakes were high, right? So my parents pushed yeah. us to do well in school to, to, you know, get, get, you know, get the best grades we can get involved, you know, whatever it is, whatever it takes to, to get into that, that good school or become a doctor or an engineer or a, or a yeah. lawyer or, in my parents' case, because I grew up in a Catholic household, a priest, right? Um, yep. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. So, so that was that was my upbringing. But you know, you know, I there weren't a lot of Vietnamese people or Asians, Asian people in in, in Lansing, Michigan, growing up. Um, so oftentimes, I felt, I felt uh, like an outcast, right? Mm -hmm. It was just you know, this doing my best to fit in right and if that 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 took me you know giving up something right Be, being less authentic you know yeah. i would would do that um and and you know and it's still a struggle to this day right to to you know you, you want to be a part of the gang and, and all that and and not show your your true weird colors for, for fear of being judged or for fear of like being cast out. Um, you know, it, yeah, but it, it's, um, so you're yeah, growing up, you know, it, it was, uh, that, that's what sticks out with to me, but, um, there were, because I was different, right. That, that was, mm -hmm. you know, I called Jackie Chan a lot or Jet Li a lot, though I looked yep. like them. Um, um, you know, big way, big, big. You're way more handsome. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was it? Because uh, like, it, it's just Lansing, Michigan. The culture that wasn't very cultured, right? Yeah. And, and, and so like, I remember like they they'd say like, oh, that that boy eats worms, you know? Yeah. It's noodles, you know. It, right. it's, it's it's spaghetti you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's just it, that was a common like slur or you know, like the you know all the other like, I, mean, I just i've heard everything under the sun growing sure up. um but it was just like you laugh it off right you know what can you do about it you know um and but you know it gets to you for sure you know because because it, it it contributes to that feeling of of like you're an outsider yeah you know? You don't belong and just growing up with that that was that was that was tough um you had to compromise a lot of who who, who you were um in order to fit in
Um, but it was going to West Point, I feel, right, where we got exposed to, gosh, people from all over the U.S., from all yeah. parts of the world, too. Sure. Um, really got that that eye-opening experience, you know. Um, how did how did Tam? How did it feel? So first of all, what your parents did? I mean, incredibly brave. I mean, I, can you imagine? I mean, I, you kind of grew up hearing about it, but me hearing that story for the first time, can you imagine just the courage and the the balls it took to yeah. get get yeah. on a fucking boat and drive it to America from Vietnam? Right, right. I mean, it was just. Thanksgiving, right? I took my like, like we, we all my like my four kids, my wife and I, we 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 flew here, right? Yeah. And like, I remember the stress of, of like trying to pack up our things, trying to like, you know, make sure we have enough snacks for the flight and some lollipops <laughs> so that like, you know, they they could uh they could equalize yeah. their ears and, and just it, it's just like. You know, and then, and then Thanksgiving, it was like the, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, I heard this story and it just brought things into perspective for me, right? Yeah. Like, did, you, did you mention to your father how stressed you were about the flight and the snacks? Oh. <laughs> probably not. We couldn't locate the snacks. <laughs> he probably didn't want to hear that, but. Yeah, exactly. And, and so like, wow. yeah, I, I, you know, I've always respected them growing up right i've always like gosh they, they went through all this for me you see their sacrifice you see the struggle right the, the the nights that they don't sleep the the early mornings they have to to go you know because my mom during money she delivered newspapers and my my um my dad he just he did a lot of odds and ends jobs you know construction um you know every time it rained they go out to pick worms and sell it to the bait shop um um and you know just a bunch of other things too that they do just to just to provide for us um and it, you know yeah it just newfound respect right wow. i mean i, I think because he gosh how old was he at the time he was in his 20s at the time right wow and i think of myself in my 20s you know and our so you know it's just, just stressing over transition out of the army right? yeah i mean that was I, I think that was probably my biggest stress right yeah um you know perhaps how, getting married you know it, it was just how did pales. it how did it feel when you got accepted to west point and you told them that you got accepted to west point um they i think they were proud but they they didn't want me joining the military you know because like wartime right they, they don't mm -hmm. want me to be a part of that um but uh it is interesting because west point was my way to rebel because they wanted me to go to michigan state university right at that time my dad had, had uh had found a job as a custodian at the art museum there mm -hmm. and uh you know which had benefits which meant that there was reduced tuition and and you know oh it was really a financial decision but also keeping me close to to home so i rebelled and went to west point um yeah into a more strict and regimented um <laughs> environment um yeah but it you know west point was free i mean yeah and you you probably had, were had some scholarships as well to to that other school yeah. yeah but but um 
but they had to have been proud of you, man. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, and, and it was grad week, right? Uh -huh. First time I saw my dad cry um, was it was it was during it wasn't even the the real deal. It was a it was one of the drills, right? Like march mm -hmm. on the plane, um, but he was sitting in the stand like with a grin on his face and you know like wiping tears from his eyes um just seeing me in the just the class a's right um class a uniform with the 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 feather the bucket yeah it was called but uh but in our in our saber and all that stuff and he just you know you saw him sitting there yeah it just it was you know that that brought it home to me you know yeah he's proud you know they're proud of me um wow made me cry yeah yeah it's a big deal man yeah what a but, story uh, what a, what a story wow yeah and it, it's just because I'm, I'm trying to process that myself right like yeah how am i gonna because i want to keep this history I, I really want to keep this history for them i've got the recordings it's just i've got it written out as, as to you know because i don't know because i've lost my you know I, i'm not as as proficient in vietnamese as i once was um so there's a lot of things that are lost in translation you know what mm -hmm. my, my dad told me um the story you know he's told me uh, so far but it, it's you know i'm just gonna do the best i can so long as i got recorded then you know it'll be it'll be uh it'll be there and available for for my kids i think it that's something everybody should do with their parents you know yeah. if, they, if their parents are still around i'd love to do that with my dad and mom um and I, you know, I wish I'd have done that with my grandparents, but they're no longer here. Uh, wow, man, that's that's good. This is this has been a good talk, man. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, uh, I was just just relaying that helps me process it too. You know? Yeah, and, and just just think about like, what are we gonna like stories, right? That's you get so much from them, you know. Like, like like the takeaways from it like what, what what am i gonna how am i gonna change as a result of hearing this you know what am i gonna do differently you know and i'll, I'll tell you just just an appreciation for, for for them right it made me look at myself as a father as a parent um you know how am i how do i show up to my kids you know like in my because what we do today what the what we expose them to today right that's going to have lasting impact on them in the future um you know and and it just it's just it's allowed me to reassess like my approach you know to to, to make it i feel better um you know than than, than what i've known so so yeah i mean it, it's just stories have a power to them that that could that could that could have a significant effect a significant impact on you and those around you absolutely are you wearing uh, an army sweatshirt no, i just got this brother. yeah I, uh, third idea had, oh, okay okay yeah I, yeah I, 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 no, I didn't get that one but i, I this one really uh, spoke to me um, yeah and and i i uh ended up buying it for my birthday happy birthday to me you know yeah yeah who, who you got who you got one in tomorrow army navy game why do you have to ask me that? Man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to hey, say maybe. <laughs> did you did you did you happen to watch that Air Force game? 
I didn't. I didn't. But wow. I was I was absolutely shocked when I when I read um, <laughs> when I read that army of yeah. one. There's um, no secret. There's no way. no secret that we suck this year. Yeah. How, however, Air Force was undefeated going yeah. in going into that. Yeah. They were like they were like eight and zero, oh, yeah. and we beat them. And I was just kind of half watching the game, and I kind of lost it. I was like, Dude, "This is so good," because you know, I don't care about any other game besides yeah. the Navy game. But second to that, the Air Force game. So mm-hmm. if we win, if we win, when we win tomorrow, we'll win, win. the trophy. We'll we'll win the trophy. But it just so happens, this is nobody wants to hear this, but when we went to West Point in two thousand two. Army lost to Navy for the next 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, I don't know if it was 14. It might have been 12 or 14. <laughs> but we watched 14 straight losses to Navy. That's why this game is so important tomorrow. Yeah, it means so much. Yeah. yeah. Last time, I mean, before we we entered, the year before we entered, they'd won. Army had won. Yes. Um, and we got... We got the privilege to see the, the kickoff to that long stretch of losses um, for our first for four years there, and it was just that was miserable, man. Like I, yes. I, I just, I, I just didn't have a, a recollection of Army Navy weekend being fun, no. and happy. You know, it was, it was just miserable and cold, and and I yeah. hated, I hated going to those games. You know, and they were for, it was like we were in the stands and they had like bayonets. They wouldn't let us leave, you know. Like <laughs> they were like forcing us to sit there and watch and cheer, and yeah. uh, you know, come to fi- you know, years later, I've loved. I since I graduated, I've watched almost every game, but you know, being there, forced to watch that us lose every time, you know, day in and day out. Um, I hated it, but anyway, it's I've come to love it again, and. I'll be watching tomorrow, two o'clock. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, Tim, you've said it all, man. It's been—I learned so much from this interview. It's been such a great time talking to you again. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, just just happy, happy. We 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 had the chance to to reconnect, right? Because, I mean, the people that that we've come across, right? the impact they've had in our lives. I mean, you, you got me in the, I mean, I, I credit that to you, man. You got me in the music and guitar and I, I want to be like Sam. Right? Thanks. <laughs> but, my, but, but my yeah, life just, is complete. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But just seeing, seeing your, your, your story too. Right. I mean, hearing it on 06 answers and just, just not really understanding that perspective, right. Going, going through, through what we went through that first semester. Um, but also like your journey, Right as as yeah. as a business for as a businessman, um, you know it, it's yeah. I mean it, it's just it just speaks to like you know hard work, resilience. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing's ever gonna nothing worthwhile ever comes easy. You know that, that quote. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, and it's just you, you, you know you're at a better place right now, and I'm I'm, I'm so happy that uh, that that, that uh, you know this outcome has has come for you. Well, thank you, man, and. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's uh of course my audience kind of knows what you're talking about, you know, and um I've 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 risked a bunch, you know, with a bunch of risky decisions over the years and and uh 
most of the time they turn out, but sometimes they don't. And if and if nothing turns out, I'll go work at Home Depot, man, and I'll be fine, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what, that's what I kind of. I talked to myself. I was like, "Yeah, I'll just sell screwdrivers in Home Depot, and I'll be like happy as a you know as a pig and shit, you know." And um, anyway, and that's kind of it's kind of worked for me. And it, you know, once again, this is America. There's there's a thing out there called bankruptcy, right? That you know, Donald Trump's declared bankruptcy like six times. You know, he's yeah. he's doing pretty good. You know, and right. so there's all these there's all these fallbacks here that that are available so when people don't take chances and don't take risks because they're scared you know somebody like a business coach could maybe say hey man like you got one life to live you might as well try it brother because if you, if, if you fail what's the worst that could happen you know I mean, right. you just have to bite your lip and maybe clean some toilets every once in a while but hell, that's no big deal right right I mean, it's just <laughs> like the the feeling of regret though right I mean, yeah gosh i do not want that you know like if i like because that, that was that's what drove my decision if i don't if i don't do this coaching thing now i will never do it and i will be yeah. miserable you know and then and, and, and so that just nope i'm gonna go for it i'm gonna trust myself i'm gonna work hard and it's gonna happen right mm -hmm. you know you speak it into existence you work it into existence Right. I think a good takeaway from what you told me was uh, if if anything, if you could do anything that pays you like a million dollars a year, like if anything that you like to do paid you a million dollars a year to do it, what would you do? And, you know, it's basically what you would do for free, right? Yeah, different perspective and, though. Yeah. And then, and you're like, and then you find out whatever that was, whatever crazy thing you're thinking about. And, and by God, there's a way to make money doing pretty much anything. You just have to find the right people to, to mentor you, to figure out how to do it. Um, you know, mine is working out and <laughs> I found that pretty quickly, but man, it started out kind of rough, you know? Um, yeah. But, well, all right, man. Uh, anything else you want to say before we get off? No, I just to say that uh, I appreciate you. We won't let uh, what another close to twenty years get by before we, <laughs> yeah. we catch up again. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, happy to happy to have this conversation with you. Learn yeah. a little more about each other, and, and uh, you know, continue being connected. Me too, Tim. Uh, when is our twenty year reunion? Is that next year or is no? It's uh, twenty six. 2026. 26. So, so we got uh, okay. almost three years. We're just just shy okay. of three years left. Before. Okay, we're de we're definitely going to that, but we're gonna oh, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna spend time together before then. Absolutely, absolutely. I will see you next year. All right, Tam Tran. Love you, brother. <laughs> All, All right, right. Take, All right take, take take Love care. Love you, too, man. Take All care. Right. Bye. Bye.